0: Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton.
1: Thank you, Suzanne. Well, we're talking with David Parrish, the president of World Missions and Evangelism. Um, Now, David, as you talk about first-time engagement for these unreached people groups. There have to be challenges and even dangers. Uh, What is that like?
0: Well, it is dangerous in certain places. And so what we're doing is we do all that we can to minimize the danger. Uh, And yet we understand that there have been many missionary martyrs over these last 200 years, and even, of course, before that, through the years, all the way back to the book of Acts, people have laid down their life to take the gospel. We understand that that happens. We don't seek that to happen. We seek to prevent that in the process of being effective, but we also understand that, that this is happening uh, all the time. And, um, and so for us, for us, we do engagement in multiple ways. The primary way that we try to engage these groups is get to as near a culture person as possible. For instance, we have a a training school for missionaries and disciple-making missionaries uh, that we launched in Argentina this year. We've been working in Argentina for some time, for the last six years uh, in Argentina, and we are working with a particular tribe there. I'm probably not going to say specific tribe names on the on the podcast today, just just for security reasons and so forth, but. Uh, we're working with a particular tribe there, and we've seen many people come to Christ in that tribe using the, the, the disciple-making movement, or what we call DMM strategy that I'm talking about. And so we started a school, and we're training both people from the general population of Argentina and some of the Indians from this tribe, and we're training them to then go to other tribes, we have we're doing research on which tribes these are, where they're at. We're working to network with anyone else that's even attempting to engage them. Now, if you know when you do instar intercession, that's always there. Networking, it may be that networking isn't possible because there's no there are no Christian believers that are that they can network with. If that's the case, they move straight to serving. They move straight to serving, and straight to engagement with the people directly. So we do two kinds of engagement. We do what's called catalyzation, and we do what's called direct engagement. In some cases, there are some believers in that culture or near a culture that we can work with, we can train, we can help enhance, we can partner with. In other cases, there's not, so it's gonna be a direct engagement process. And so we are literally, as far as engagement of people groups, we use both of those strategies. And it just depends on uh, what the situation on the ground is.
1: Adding to the challenges that you describe, the release from Wuhan, China of this virus that is causing illness around the world has caused yeah. a lot of countries to have restrictions on movement and have other uh, protocols in place over these past 18, 19 months. How has that affected the work of World Missions and Evangelism?
0: I'll say that it's affected us good and bad and in some ways the good has out has outpaced the bad obviously it has been a devastating thing we've had people very sick we've had people even recently people that we've recently trained that have died of covid for one thing we've had people impacted by the disease Uh, we've had team members down with it by the grace of god we haven't lost a single team member although we've had several that have had it obviously in central america and south america the therapeutics and the possibilities for medical care that we have in the United States is on a completely different level. But God has been merciful to us and and I can say only there's only been a few deaths that have been in our zone in our particular sphere but of course even one's too many. But beyond that, uh the reaction of the governments because for instance, Argentina has been until just in the last little bit completely shut down as far as people coming in uh and so unless you have an argentine passport lots of restrictions you know isolation for 14 days when you get there and all that kind of stuff we've been dealing with all those kinds of negativities Uh, even for instance some of our indigenous workers some of the indians we got one of our main trainers down there and we wanted to get some of the top indian leaders there to him they weren't even allowed to travel cross country just for an example uh we've had you know everything from national curfews to you can't be out of your house. Like in Honduras, there was times where there's was a bad lockdown and so forth. The other thing is that that has created just like there's some kind of a supply chain problem we have up here. It's created a food supply chain issue. And there's been a major issue in especially Honduras where our primary work was and is. And uh, so uh, it's been difficult to train. It's been difficult to travel. It's been difficult and and there's been shortages and so forth. Now, that's the bad side. The good side is God helped us and, and showed us that wherever one door shuts, he opens another. And so what happened was we got government permission to go anywhere we want to go to give our team passes to travel as long as we're bringing food into those villages that have run out. So we started a feeding program. And last year, we delivered well over 100,000 meals to villages. Uh, and God used that to open enormous doors and and people have been saved. We've seen God literally do miracles. In one case, there was an atheist in one of the villages. And of course, they had completely run out of food. I should say low on food anyway. Uh, he was desperate to feed his family. And uh, he walked down the road and our, one of our team leaders had just left a house a little ways down the road in that village. And when he walked up into his neighbor's yard, he said, uh, what's this? Because the guy had bags of food there that they could feed. It would feed a family of four for three weeks was what we were delivering. And he said, why did the government bring you food and not me? And the guy said, no, the government didn't bring this. He said, a guy came by and said, God told us to bring you this food. By the way, that's what our, our, our leaders do. And they literally pray about it. Lord, where do I go with this? And he said, the Lord told, and he said, give us this. And the guy got a funny look on his face. He went home. He's an atheist. He got on his knees and he said, God, I don't even believe in you. I don't even believe in you. But if you're real, send that man to my house with food to feed my family. He got up off his knees and he walked in his front yard and our team leader walked into his yard and said, hello, Uh, God told me to bring you this food. Well, that person, you can understand how suddenly – a door has opened now, and people have come to Christ, and thousands of people have been baptized. We we saw 8,000 people baptized last year in the midst of this, and thousands of groups start in the midst of this, and the feeding program was no small part, and it continues. We're continuing that. the The need is not maybe quite as great as it was At certain crisis points, they not only got hit by the lockdowns, Honduras got hit by two hurricanes, too, right after that. And so they're still in recovery from a lot of things. That's how it's impacted us. God has used that right in the middle of it. We opened the training school in Argentina because we had we had people on the ground that could do that. They were already there. We've started a new training school. Uh, We've been preparing these teams to engage these UPGs. Uh, we've been using the feeding program to actually extend the work where the work is already going. And the other thing is, we live in a, a unique day, just like you and I are on here right now. Uh, we've learned how to do training. We've done training in the Caribbean. We've done training. We've done online trainings. Uh, we are we are using every bit of technology that we can use to continue our training, and the work is continuing and even prospering. In fact, I would say that in the early part of 2020. When the, when the, when it first hit and the lockdown was really severe during the second quarter, April, May, June, we had, we lost momentum because of that, because we, we were everybody, like everybody else in the whole world, we were trying to figure out what do we do. And then the Lord gave us strategies and open doors. And I can tell you that from, from the, the data that I'm getting, uh, we've got the momentum, we're, we're back to the momentum that we had before there was COVID, even though it's still a thing and still a problem. The, the momentum level is back as far as multiplication, people coming to Christ, groups being started.
1: That is terrific, David Parrish. Two of my favorite words that go together are, but God. Uh, whenever things get out of control, things are always out of our control if we really think about it. We turn to the Lord. He's got a way ahead uh, that we can't even yeah. dream up. It's amazing.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, Clay, could I say, let me say a word just a moment about uh, the impact uh, numerically of this strategy. Yes, please. Um, uh, first of all, in our particular wing of it, and our vision is all the Western Hemisphere, we have a team that's focused on North American Native Americans. They've just been doing a, a disciple making training with Navajo believers this weekend in New Mexico. Uh, they've just got back. We're connecting with the Lakota. By the way, the Lakota and the Navajo are still unreached people groups. They're not unengaged, but they're still less than two percent evangelical in our in the United States. And there are about 32 uh, Native American groups in the United States that are UPGs, and still about 20 of them are classified unengaged. Uh, and again, that just means with church planting, and we're we're working on those. There's there's several groups in Alaska. Uh, the end of this month, the Lord willing, as long as restrictions don't clamp us down, we've had a lot of things right before and then some restriction would come in, we couldn't go. But we should have a training happening with a tribe in Alaska the end of this month and so forth. So we've got a Native American team. We've got a team focused on the Caribbean. We've got a focused team on Southern South America, as I mentioned, our, that's epicenter in Argentina, but but it's also focusing on several countries. And then we have Central America and Mexico as a team. But when I report our total impact, let me say this, that our total impact uh, over all these years, and again, at this point, we track it and we track it diligently, but there's also things you can't track. But we know that somewhere close to 20,000 discovery groups, which is our basic discipling group, have been planted since 2008. Praise God. Somewhere around there. By the time we end this year, it's not going to miss that far. Now, what does that represent? That represent and and I want to tell you we started with a group of 23 people. Okay? In two, in May of so I'm talking about we started with 23 people. Four of them were missionaries and uh, 19 indigenous people, and that included ch- the children that were, that were at our initial training base. We started with 23 people in May of 2008. Our best estimate now is that somewhere around 90,000 people are involved in this movement and movements. Amazing. Somewhere around 90,000. We believe our best, uh, our best tracking And actually, we know for sure that it is more than this. I want you to know that when I report this number to you, this number is too low, and I know it, but it's all that I can verify. So we try not to report what we can't verify, although we know it is greater than this, because we know certain downlines where we, we know there have been baptisms, but we just don't have solid data right now. But that's what happens when a thing gets 32 generations deep, by the way. We're 32 generations deep. You know, I talked about generations, a group planning, a group planning, a group planning, a group. So that it's and not so much that, but in some of the remoter areas we're working, especially Argentina, the data. We don't have the firm data, but we we know what's going on. Bottom line, we've baptized around sixty four thousand people nice. in a movement. Thirty two generations deep, impacting somewhere around ninety thousand people. That doesn't even count some of the, the other things that are happening. For instance, like in Argentina, there are some areas where there are groups that our tracking is not as uh, refined there as it is in Honduras, for instance. And so my point is, although we're, track, we, we, we're tracking groups and we've got a pretty good estimate on the total impact and numbers of people involved in the groups, you know, there's people that have been saved and baptized that are not counted in this. So but i'm I'm telling you that we can verify sixty four thousand plus conversions baptisms, probably closer to sixty seven thousand conversions somewhere around sixty four thousand baptisms, I think is our latest number, and again thirty two generations deep. So we're talking about something that started as i as I mentioned with twenty three people thirteen years ago, you know from twenty three to ninety thousand in thirteen years in multiple locations, multiple people groups, multiple countries, and, and over 64,000 baptisms is a work of God that I can, I can frankly tell you that before we engaged in this, in this particular strategy would have been just nonsense to even contemplate. It was a goal. Beyond, nobody would set a goal like that from that kind of a start. And uh, by the way, Clay, here's the problem sometimes when we report those kinds of things people say that can't possibly be true and by the way that was almost our reaction too when we first got training because we were begin- we were receiving training uh, our coach uh, was telling us he had been a missionary in india and he was talking about a specific a specific movement in india that had even seen much larger exponentially larger you know 30,000 churches in 14 years and that's just Mind boggling that nobody ever heard of anything like that. But research has shown not only is it true, but then we've seen by our experience that, that we're seeing those same kinds of results. But now let me tell you something that is even more exciting than that, because, we're, you know, our organization is called World Missions and Evangelism. We're one organization. And this particular strategy has has emerged over the last 30-ish years. Really around 30 years ago, around the early 1990s, was when the first time that this particular method of doing disciple-making, engagement in disciple-making that we're that we're carrying out, was first kind of pioneered by a man that was our mentor. His name is David Watson. Uh, he works with an organization called Contagious Disciple-Making now. Good friends of ours. Uh, he and his son are our coaches and mentors to us. And they started as as, as missionaries in the, in the late 80s there among a really hard to reach people group in India. And a movement began and these strategies emerged. And without going into the details of how that happened, the word got out and people were trained. And so the other organizations began to learn about it, began to uh, adopt this strategy. We came along and adopted this strategy and began to work in it. But with all of our partners, the 2414 coalition right now is telling us, and they have some of the top best researchers there are on the planet on this, and they are telling us that in these last 30 years, at this point, over 78 million people have come to faith in multiple movements using this strategy.
1: Amazing. And so what
0: is the What's the significance of 78 or 80 million? It's probably, you know, let's just round it in that zone. What's the significance of a number like that? The significance is it's 1% of all humans living on earth. So we're saying, and most of that, the vast majority of that is in the last 20 years. So, because the first 10 years, it was a small movement getting, you know, into like a million people. But then the majority of that, has come in the last 20 years. So what we're saying is that in the last 20 years, in the midst of this, remember what happened 20 years ago, 9-11, in the midst of this difficult world we've been navigating, 1% of all living humans have come to faith in Christ through a disciple-making, disciple-making, disciple-making process. Through many organizations focused, a lot of this is in restricted access countries. There's areas, there's many things going on in the Middle East. There's many things going on in, for instance, Iraq and Afghanistan that are literally off the grid. These people are persecuted. They are in extreme danger right now, especially in Afghanistan. There are movements that are happening. There are thousands of people that are coming to Christ in these, in these contexts and in multiple people groups. And if you stop and think about 1% of humanity come to Christ with this one methodology in a 20-year period, I can tell you this with absolute authority uh, because I'm, I'm also a student of missions history. Uh, I'm actually going to be teaching a missions history class uh, tomorrow night uh, in another institute. I can tell you this with 100% authority that at no time, in the history of the church, has there been a harvest of that nature? It is that we have seen in the last 20 years, the greatest harvest of souls into the kingdom of God. Uh, From all populations, whether it be animistic or non-evangelical or Islamic or Hindu, Buddhist, or whatever, we've seen and are currently seeing the largest harvest of souls ever in the history of the church. We're living in the middle. So I like to tell people this. We live in a world with a lot of bad news, and it's every day, all day, every day. But I want you to know there's some good news that's happening. It's just not being reported in the news. And in a and as a matter of fact, it's almost okay because really, God's doing His thing, and and He's doing things under under the radar. And yet still, we have those unreached people group. The task is not finished. But this is why the idea of 2025 for engagement and the idea of 2033, though it will require God's hand and his miracle. Absolutely. It must be, we can't do it without God. I mean, it's impossible without God, but although it requires God's hand in a great way, what we are currently seeing encourages us to believe that it can be a reality. And so uh, this is our motivation. This is what is, is uh, driving us right now.
1: Well, that is so encouraging and exciting. It will be as God directs. Uh, We all know that. And when it doesn't make any sense that, you know, how could anybody dream up such a goal? God specializes in impossible from our Mm -hmm. perspective. So that's terrific. And you talk about good news, as you were mentioning that uh, it brought to mind another evangelistic association. Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has as their motto, always good news. Just really simple yeah. and direct and true. Uh, so appreciate that you all are a part of that same large worldwide team that is uh, pulling in the same direction, trying to follow God's lead, and he's at work through you.
0: If anybody wants to know more, our website is worldmissionsevangelism.com. And we would delight to interact with anybody that wants to know more and uh, I also mentioned we have a prayer website just to cultivate prayer called instarprayer.org. And uh, we would love to, to, to give people more information. There's all kinds of resources on our website, videos to watch, uh, on, uh, training videos and everything, uh, is on our website. So we would love for people to, to look there if they're interested in knowing more about the strategy itself.
1: Yes. And I also want to point out, uh, Listeners, this would be obvious to you just intuitively, but the the great work of traveling and sending people all over the region and the country and the hemisphere and the world, uh, the world requires transactions to make some of that happen, and that requires currency. And so if you're able to contribute to that cause, uh, even financially, that will go along with your prayers in a real meaningful, positive, and necessary way. So David Parrish, President of World Missions and Evangelism, I'm very thankful that you uh, shared this time with me, this very encouraging information, the challenges that you all are facing, and how God is letting you overcome them. I hope the listeners will get a lot out of it as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Clay. It's It's been a great privilege to be with you today.
1: Thank you, David. God bless.
0: Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at LateJuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.